0: Hey guys and welcome to the show. I'm your host Mike and thank you for joining us for this episode of Amateur All Tours. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod or send us an email at Tours podcast at gmail.com. This episode, I'm joined by good friend and fellow podcaster, Dana Buckler from The Dana Buckler Show. This episode marks Dana's fourth appearance on the show, and I'm always glad to sit down and have a discussion with him. So, Dana, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back on, and I appreciate you coming on to help me with this new segment uh, idea that I've had.
1: Mike, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. And when you reached out to me about this idea you had, I said, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. And I'm surprised more people aren't doing what you're proposing. So, very happy to be on the show, and thanks again for having me.
0: Oh yeah, of course, and before this conversation begins, I want to remind the listeners to go check out Dana's show, because the content that he and his crew assemble is incredible, and to give a quick plug, I want to say that I'm a huge fan of your 20th Century uh, Movie Club segment, and I feel like the list of movies that I personally need to see are growing with every episode you guys release, which always excites me, but it also makes me kind of question my movie buff status, because I've only been exposed to a handful of those films you guys talk about, but I guess that's kind of the point.
1: Yeah, that was the whole idea is I'm 41 years old and I just grew up in a period of time when I feel like there was a lot more original ideas that were being produced, you know, for feature film release in theaters. And it just I don't want to say that I've, I've become disillusioned with the films that are coming out these days, but let's be frank and let's be honest here. It's a lot of prequel sequels and remakes and I I wanted to I really wanted to kind of unveil, if you will, or sort of um, deliver some films that the younger generation maybe haven't even heard of, or maybe have only heard of in passing. And these are movies that uh, myself and my co-host, we, we grew up watching, and these are kind of no-brainers. Although I would like to point out that in recent episodes, I've been stumped by a lot of the picks that my co-hosts have been offering. And in fact, there's been I'm starting to put together a list of movies that I have to see from the 20th century movie, from the 20th century that I haven't seen yet. So I was, it's been a lot of fun and uh, actually just as of recording this right now, I just wrapped up volume 11. So we've got 11 episodes of this series in inside of, uh, you know, four months, which to understand that that's on top of all the other episodes that we're doing for the Dana Buckler show. So I- I'm glad you like the show. I think it's really starting to have the desired effect that we were going for when we for- first came up with the idea.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you just wrapped up on an episode, so I'll be looking forward to that one. But I want to say it's not a coincidence that I brought up the 20th Century Movie Club here because I feel like this segment we're about to try out is very much partly inspired from that core idea of recommending movies that we feel that everyone needs to see. So today, I wanted to try something out a little bit different, and we today I'm hoping we can kind of merge, in a way, two segments from our show. So the 20th Century Movie Club from you and a segment that I've been kind of throwing out there of what am I missing? And continue, continuing off of what you were describing, What Am I Missing was something that I started back in the summer of 2018 where I would gather these lists of classic films in my mind that I had yet to see, the kind of films that I feel like were no-brainers for everyone, but I just have yet to get around to. And so what I would do is I would watch them, review them, and figure out if I was indeed missing out on that particular film. So these included 12 Angry Men, Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas, Brazil, you know, Rebel Without a Cause, things like that. So with both of these premises in mind, this segment we're going to try out today takes that recommendation system from the 20th Century Movie Club and pairs it with this format of what am I missing, or, or so I hope. So we're both going to recommend, you know, two to three separate picks, and there are literally no restrictions that we can recommend. And I, th- and I think you'll be able to tell that throughout the episode. And it's in its early development right now, so I appreciate the patience from the listeners as we work out the kinks of the show. The goal is to do this once a month, typically at the end, and the working title is still What Am I Missing? So hopefully all that made sense and not too convoluted. But without further ado, Dana, would you like to start us off with your very first pick of What Am I Missing?
1: Absolutely. Now if I could just again shamelessly plug my show just for a moment as you uh, as you know I did a three-part series on baseball which was completely pardon the pun out of left field. So I'm a big fan of sports. I think listeners of the show know that I'm a big fan of football, but my other love is professional baseball. I'm a huge fan of baseball and I just love so many aspects of the game. So I did a three-part series where I brought a friend of mine on who played baseball through high school and at the college level. And, you know, what we did was we kind of, we talked about his journey and then we also talked about the game itself and how it's evolved, very much evolved over the past 30 years. And then we got into our baseball picks. So in keeping with the theme of baseball, there's a documentary that came out last month called Screwball, which was directed by Billy Corbin. Now, if Billy Corbin's name isn't familiar to you, perhaps some of his more popular documentaries are, including Cocaine Cowboys, uh, ESPN 30 for 30 series, The U on the Mi- University of Miami. And he also did a fantastic one on the, uh, they did fat. excuse me, he did a fantastic one uh, called Broke, where it talks about these professional athletes that lose their fortunes. And I shouldn't say fantastic because it's a very dour and depressing story, but it's also incredibly fascinating. The film I want to recommend, Screwball, is his most recent documentary, and it has to do with Dr. Tony Bosch and the Biogenesis baseball scandal, essentially the performance enhancing drug scandal that happened that really sort of tipped off in 2009. And it really kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of of ruined the career of Alex Rodriguez. Now this documentary is so unbelievably fascinating because it tells the story of the Biogenesis scandal, not to repeat myself there, but it tells it through Tony Bosch himself. He actually interviews Tony Bosch before he spoiler goes to prison. And it's one of these stories that is so if 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 someone was to write it as a Hollywood screenplay, they'd say we can't make this into a movie because there's no way this would ever happen. And what Billy does, I tweeted after watching the movie and said that this is by far the most ambitious film that that uh, Billy Corbin has made to date because if you look at certain new certain documentaries like for example the Legend of Cocaine Island that just came out I don't know if it, which is on Netflix which is a very strong recommendation they reenact a lot of the same a lot of the scenes that happened in real life using the real people they just reenacted the scenes what Billy does here is he uses child actors to 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 essentially play the the adult parts, and it's so it works. It sounds on paper doesn't sound like it would work at all, but it absolutely works. And it's a completely off the record. Can I use language? Yeah, go okay. for it. It's a complete and it's it's a completely batshit crazy story. And it's one that even if you're not a fan of baseball, I think you would absolutely find this one just. I didn't want to use the term like a, a head scratcher. Like, how does this ever really happen in real life? So. Screwball, it's currently available, video on demand, strongest recommendation, great baseball movie, great baseball documentary, and, you know, the pedigree of Billy Corbin. If you're familiar with his work, you know that he just, you know, his movies just keep getting better.
0: Yeah, and with Billy Corbin, I've I've been exposed kind of a little bit, Cocaine Cowboys, my first film that I'd seen of his was Dogfight, which I thought was utterly incredible. And and he's and I, and you actually uh, interviewed him way like way back in how was his movie days and I actually just recently listened to that because like oh I know who this director is now so I can uh, you know listen to this conversation and just listening to him talk about the subject matter that he tries to go after and and I think he you know I love documentary filmmaking and his style it, it's like this very gritty style that I really appreciate and i remember hearing about screwball but i haven't seen it yet uh i so it, i i missed what, what was it available on
1: Oh, it's available across all video on demand platforms for, just for example how i watched it was through the microsoft store on my xbox that was the easiest way for me to watch it but it's also available uh playstation store itunes voodoo youtube wherever you can rent movies video on demand
0: oh okay perfect because i definitely because i i've been encapsulated by his work and I want to keep being exposed to it but no I I definitely appreciate that and yeah this Billy Corbin he seems like yeah this is about baseball but that's you know there's a deeper story that people can get behind it's just like this is like you said batshit insanity that this actually happens in real life like it's kind of like this larger than life story that you have to do a double take when you're done like it's like whiplash
1: yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and and you mentioned that I uh, I did actually have him on the show, and that was back in 2015. So that was about four years ago, and to listen to him talk, he can he I mean he is not only does he tell not only does he make great documentaries, but he's a fantastic storyteller. And you can ask him one question and he'll give you a five minute long dissertation on the answer you're, you know, basically for the answer you're looking for. And yeah, he's he's a fascinating guy. and He was recently on Joe Rogan's podcast and I I recommend everyone sort of check him out. Uh, If I could say one more thing about Screwball, it it's what rings true about all of his documentaries and that the pacing of his documentaries is always almost at a break net speed. I don't think there's I don't dare I say I don't think there's a single Billy Gorbin documentary that has like these long extended lulls where nothing is happening. It's really these things happen at a very frenetic pace and he's a he's great at keeping you hooked on the story. And Screwball I think is almost two hours long and it flew by.
0: Oh uh, you all with that glowing recommendation, I'm I'm totally gonna check it out. And yeah, like from what I've seen of Billy Corbin's work, it they might be you know two hours long, two and a half hours, never feel that length because his filmmaking complements the story that he's telling, and and you're so enraptured by what's going on. But Dana, I think that's a great first pick of this segment and uh, so I guess I'll get into my first recommendation. So when I was thinking about what to choose for this show, I was telling you as I pitched this idea that I wanted to cast as wide of a net as possible. I wanted to cover all different types of film genres, styles, periods, homages, etc. So for my pick, I wanted to focus on a medium that I feel is a bit oversaturated in today's day and age, but it's also supremely underrated as an art form, and that is the music video. Now, You could dedicate an entire episode to the music video genre of filmmaking, but to me it's so fascinating to see the shifts and waves of of movements associated with it. So, you know, you have the history being made with MTV launching its network, where the music video really became famous, and the first being the bizarre but awesome Video Killed the Radio Star, which I thought was uh, honestly really fitting at that time. Uh, and then following that, famous directors even getting involved with making some of these iconic music videos, you know, John Landis with Thriller, Scorsese with Bad, P.T. Anderson with anything Radiohead and Fiona Apple and, and outside of them as well, but et cetera, et cetera. But in the modern era, I feel that the music video genre, now this is what I've been exposed to at least, as it's mostly oversaturated with videos showcasing dull and generic music and cinematography but now there are obvious exceptions to the rule, like Childish Gambino, or for the movie buffs, we know him as Donald Glover, specifically, or I think of This is America, or Sober, or anything by a- OK Go, and there's a few other artists, but I'm not here to talk about them in particular, maybe for another episode, but right now, I want to talk about something that I watched earlier in April, that I just kind of stumbled across, and it blew my mind, and it was one of the main inspirations for the show. So this music video comes from a French electric pop band, Pan and Polo, and that song is Creore quasi." I apologize if I butchered that. I'm a dirty American. I apologize. But what I really loved about this is that outside of this catchy tune, is the strong influence from the French New Wave when paired with this modern dancing techniques and flow and music. So Dana, this was one that I was sure that you (laughs) have not heard of before or seen. So I sent it your way before recording. Were you able to watch the video before before we recorded?
1: I am ashamed to say that I have not had an opportunity to see it, but I have so much to say on what you brought up about the evolution of music videos because I I was growing up during a period when, when you turned MTV on, it was hours and hours of nonstop music videos. And that's that's all it was. There Occasionally there would be uh, a, a themed show like the Headbangers Ball or Yo! MTV Raps, which would have hosts and they would have interviews and whatnot, but for the most part, it was just music videos. And it, 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 as soon as you said directors meant, director, I mean prominent, esteemed directors doing music videos before you even said it i immediately thought of scorsese doing michael jackson's bad which i invite people to go that's that entire it's not even a music video it's a short film and same thing with landis's uh thriller but yeah there was a lot of art and 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 craft that went into making those music videos and you know right down to michael bay directing meatloaf music videos i mean there was gr- auteurs that, that that they were taken seriously now And I agree with you that, with 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 the very small exception, there everything is very much just throw throw away right now. Like it's not that. I I honestly, it didn't even really occur to me that people were consuming their music videos through through YouTube now because I've sort of hit a wall on 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 popular music. I kind of jokingly tell my friends, you know, you could offer me ten thousand dollars and all I had to do was name five. Top forty singles, current top forty singles, and I would tell you to keep your money because I I, I don't have a clue.
0: And I'm twenty three and I couldn't do that, like no no way. But and I know we don't want to go too much into spoilers, but it's a music video and and I guess I can describe the music video and why this really and I can describe why I was really mesmerized by it. So what I think that so the video, what it's about, it's like this formal gathering like a party of, of rich French people in the 1960s. There's definitely allusions to drug use. There's like a sparkling mixed drink. But I also think like kind of towards the end, it turns into like the swingers party because it gets extremely sexual and phallic, like out of nowhere. Uh, but the story, I did look up the lyrics since it's all in French and I don't speak any French. And it's, it's mostly about, from what I gathered, like a song about a misconnection but the visual story of the video I think is what's more intriguing and odd, especially towards the end when it turns into like the swingers the pseudo swingers party as I described. But the dancing is also very captivating. it's it's very I don't want to say machine like I, I feel like you just have to see. it. it's very controlled and and uh, kind of callbacking and, and, and this intermixing of modern dance as well as like what you would see in like a 1960s French new wave like, from, like, Jacques Demy, but what I love about performance art, and the great control that these types of performers have on their body, I'm extremely jealous of the talent that these types of dancers have, because I am a tall, skinny white guy who has two left feet, my only dancing comes out after lots and lots of glasses of liquid encouragement, and even then I just, like, bounce in one spot like an asshole, but... Uh, it just it's just so mesmerizing. Like I, I think I think the first like when you when you watch the video, either you or the listener, I I honestly feel when you f- like those that first like two minutes, you're gonna be like wow, and just keep rewinding, rewinding with the camera work and just every different movement each performer is giving. Uh, there's also some really interesting film allusions throughout. At least from my opinion, obviously the French New Waves, but I also caught uh, an American Beauty reference and The Big Lebowski of all films. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this and it's available on YouTube. I'll probably post this one in the, in the show, like show notes, because it's probably the most easily accessible out of them all. But yeah, I, I highly recommend this video for anyone that feels they, they've hit that wall of stale music, stale music and like stale music videos.
1: Uh, a couple things. One, when you sent me the link to the, to the music video, I was at work and I, I remember saying to myself, well, Watching this on my phone at work while I can be easily distracted is not the proper setting that this video deserves. So this is one of these ones where I'm going to fire it up on the flat screen with the surround sound and really take it in. And, and if I could mention, there was a band in the late 1990s, a French band called Air, and they came out with a, a CD called, or an album, excuse me, called Moon Safari, which I find to be one of the most mesmerizing sort of French. You got to remember the late 1990s, the biggest French electronic act to come out was Daft Punk. Of course. Whereas whereas Moon Safari, imagine if you took Daft Punk and you took the beat away and it was just sort of these very melodic and and beautiful electronic songs that have some, some fantastic vocals, some fantastic singers that come on and, and, and do compliment and do comp, uh, compilations with with the band so i'm looking forward to watching this music video and like i said it'll be it'll be today it'll be today and you'll be you'll be get you'll be hearing from me so i'm looking forward to it
0: as you say i can't wait. yeah it's definitely lots of vibrant colors like when you think of french new waves is what you're going to get but it's 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 definitely interesting and i highly recommend it so that's my that's my first pick so dana why don't we get into your second pick
1: So my second pick was inspired by our last conversation. The last time I was on your show, we were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. And it just seemed to me that the general consensus amongst a lot of people that have seen the film is that even though some people find it very problematic, nobody uh, seems to disagree that the final, and I don't want to get into spoilers too much, but the final performance, if you will, of that film is easily one of the best parts of it. But I'm also reminded that just a year after they did the Live Aid performance, they did what is arguably probably their best performance in history. Of course, I'm talking about Queen when I'm saying they. Uh, and that was their 1986 Live at Wembley Stadium. And the reason why I decided to recommend it today is I was actually just two days ago just doing a little, you know, going down the rabbit hole YouTube and just got on got on Queen videos. And I realize that they have a beautiful remastered HD version of this concert available on YouTube to watch for free right now. So I, I want to tell anyone that is listening that if you saw Bohemian Rhapsody and you love the last 20 minutes of that film, that you should absolutely stop what you're doing. Watch Queen at their, in my opinion, at their absolute peak, do with a two hour long performance live at Wembley 86. All That's all you literally type in. YouTube, go to Queen Live at Wembley eighty six. You're gonna find the full concert. Not ten minutes here, part one, part two, but the entire two hour show. And it is absolutely amazing. And it's why they're one of my all-time favorite bands. That concert solidifies that reason.
0: Oh of course. And yeah, I've I've seen uh I've seen Queen's Wembley performance before, mostly like kind of YouTube, the beauty of YouTube. Uh, mostly in my undergrad, where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be studying for a long time. Let's put on some music in the background to make this like less miserable. So I would put Queen on, and that's that's I wouldn't recommend that because then I just started watching Wembley, yeah, uh, the or the performance because I put I would put it through Xbox on the TV just for the background, and then I would <laughs> I would I would like occasionally peek behind my laptop, and then my laptop just was like thrown on the floor, and I was just watching Queen. So, maybe not, like, the best study, uh, um, like, ambient noise, but, no, I totally uh, totally agree with you that this is such, like, there's Live Aid and then there's Wembley. There's, like, I think almost all of the iconic, like, Freddie Mercury poses, like him in his, like, yellow jacket, him posing, just, you know, screaming to the mic or just, like, you know, like, belting, comes from either Live Aid or Wembley, mostly Wembley in my opinion. But, no, I and – I, and I think it's interesting – that you're, uh, it's it's like a historical document that you're re- uh, recommending this week because I think it's one that people, or at least in my generation, they're kind of forgetting about. Like this, they need Bohemian Rhapsody to remind them, but then they're just like, oh, yep, there's the Bohemian, like the credits roll and they don't do any more exploration into it. And I and I know people that are like that. They're like, oh yeah, Live Aid was amazing. I'm like, well, you can actually go watch all of Live Aid right now. You don't need a movie to recreate it. To me, that's like the bonus features. Like this was a historical event that was awesome. So I I I think that this is an awesome recommendation for really anyone if they haven't seen it, just give them that final push to go into it.
1: Yeah, and there's no excuses now because it's free, it's on YouTube, it's in its entirety, and you know I know that Bohemian Rhapsody generated a whole new uh, group of fans of Queen. So if you're if you if you've if you discovered Queen through Bohemian Rhapsody and you love the you know you you've fallen in love with their music. You're doing yourself a disservice, disservice by not watching this concert film, which is on YouTube for free. So please, everyone, check it out. It's amazing. Exactly.
0: And since that's on YouTube, probably going to go right in the show notes as well since it's easily accessible. So with that, I'm going to go transition right into my second pick. Now, my second pick is available on Netflix, so – and I, and I think it's – it's well worth the subscription based on this. So my second pick is Love, Death, and Robots, the new animated uh, short series produced by David Fincher and Tim Miller, director of Deadpool, I believe. And it is 18 episodes, ranging from 5 to 20 minutes, all self-contained stories that tackle different themes and messages. And what's especially unique is the varied style of animation that each episode utilizes. And whether it be hyper-realistic motion capture, rotoscope, traditional anime, uh, cell shaping, shading, or even there's... I think there's a live-action one. I say I think there's... Well, there's definitely one. There's another one that is... The the animation is so damn good, I can't tell. Um, But... And as well as the tonal shifts that occur from episode to episode. Some are, like, super dark, and some are really funny. And my one-sentence review of this, is it's everything Black Mirror wants to be. Now, Black Mirror is a great show, another Netflix exclusive that's great on its own, but it, it to me, Black Mirror has a lot of great concepts with some exceptional episodes, but to me, the majority are very overly long, and they just kind of drone on a little bit and they're really heavy handed where these animators and storytellers with love, death and robots get in and they get out. They tell their story and they don't overstay their welcome and they get their point across. You can really feel the passion and heart in each episode, each and every episode at that. And, and, and it's just great now. And I want to say this, I don't want to spark a hole because this is a debate in itself. It, it, this, after watching this, it pisses me off that old-fashioned filmmakers are literally campaigning and petitioning for these works not to be considered for any Academy Awards solely because they are available exclusively on streaming platforms. So that, and that's, that's kind of what I, – I get really passionate about this subject. But before I get and devolve too much, Dana, what, what about uh, your exposure to Love, Death, and Robots?
1: Well, based on your recommendation, I, I actually sat down and watched the first episode and this is the one that involves, the getting super vague here, but just involves the arena fighting, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be one of the longer episodes, because I think it clocked in at like 14, 15 minutes, something like that. And, uh, again, winning, going into this completely, not even reading the synopsis of what this episode was about. I went into it completely blind. Holy shit, was that good. Like, that was... Okay. I mean, that was that was excellent. And the problem I have is I haven't revisited or I haven't visited the other ones because I'm scared, if you will. I'm concerned that that first episode may have set the bar so high, not just only on its story, but on its animation, which was unbelievable. Uh, that i'm i'm almost one of these ones where I I, I I i'm almost a little worried i'm gonna get a little disappointed so maybe maybe you can ease my fears a little bit and tell me that it, it you know there are episodes that are better than that one but i wonder if that was deliberately put in the first spot is that in your opinion the best episode of all the ones that are on there
0: no it's not my favorite one but it's my top three because i feel like that really set the tone of the show and that it's well, that one in particular is hyper-violent. It's not for kids. It's animation. It's it's not a. Uh, it's it's not like this is not Pixar. This is not DreamWorks. This is adult content. And I can see where you're coming from, but I think because of the vast variety of animation and styles and and tones that are covered, there's. I mean, obviously, there's there's episodes that are better than others. Um, there's some that I, the, even the ones that I didn't like very much, I could still see all the merit in them, and I think there's there's something for everyone, and and I have my top three. So for anyone that is a little trepidatious about going to the show, I would recommend these three because I think they encapsulate the whole show. There's I think it's Sami's Edge, which is the first one, which is about the Gladiator Monsters. Three robots, which is I think the following episode following that one, which is about robots on vacation, which that's all I'll say. And then there's shapeshifters, which the only way I can describe it is that it's American werewolves versus Taliban werewolves.
1: Okay, that's, that, that's all right, it. That's, like, that's I'm intrigued. <laughs> like
0: that, I think is enough. Is gonna be like what? And and but there's you know there's so much other like all of them are excellent in their own right. Uh, Some, I think, a little bit slow, but I think there's just so much here with this animation. Uh, I I think, like I said, I understand where you're coming from, like, being, like, a little trepidatious. Like, oh, man, like, that bar was set super high, which is kind of what I had with Black Mirror. But I think here it either raises the bar with each episode... Or it just maintains it from there. Like it's it's high octane. Like if you watch the trailer, it's like seizure inducing, and I I absolutely loved it. I watch. I think it takes two hours to watch all of them straight through, and it's it didn't feel like two hours because each episode was its own self-contained story. That I never was like, oh, I was never checking my watch when one was over. And like I said, some of them are utterly mind blowing with the st- with the visuals that they have. The stories that they're able to tell, and there, it's 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 honestly such a work of art. I think one episode, I think it's the one following Three Robots, it actually uses the, I think it's the director or one of the uh, lead animators of Into the Spider Verse, so it has that animation style in this like super adult story idea. So it's you know you're gonna get something new with each episode.
1: If I could say one thing about Black Mirror, you know I. I love, I mean, I listen, I'm I'm like everybody else. I love that show. I might be a little more, I might be a little kinder to it than you in the sense that I have found every episode to be near flawless. And that's just, again, this is just a personal opinion. And I think the, I mean, I wouldn't say near flawless, but I think what's wonderful about that show so grossly overweighs the it the, the the slight issues with it I, I i just i don't know i listen i love black mirror i i'm going to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend it i'm going to defend it to the very end i just think it's i think it's just an amazing show almost flawless
0: and i don't want that the like i mean yeah i kind of like really threw a haymaker its way and and i want to say like i i i do i'm also a fan of black mirror i just think love death and robots did it a little bit better of what they were getting at but i can but black mirror is, is a work of art in its own right. but that's you know another conversation for another day.
1: I, and, and, and to touch on one thing you said about and I, 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 again, I'm, I'm basing my review off of one single episode of, of your recommendation. But for the exact reason you said that you know this show gets in, gets it gets in and gets out and accomplishes its mission in a very short period of time. Whereas with at least the first episode, I wanted to see that whole story explored a hell of a lot longer. So for me, that was my only troubling thing was like, no, 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 this can't be over. There's so much more to the story I want to know. And I just think that's where Black Mirror will 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 accomplish that, is it will give you more of the story.
0: I, I think that's a very fair point there. And I guess it's one that I never really thought of. But yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a point that I never really considered. And I'll definitely when i revisit black mirror and and, and kind of compare the two i'll definitely be thinking about that one but uh, but yeah but that
1: being said i am certainly going to continue with, continue on with the series starting with the other two recommendations you made and just work my way through the rest of the series
0: oh of course and yeah please let me know what your uh what what your thoughts and opinions of those two recommendations are so dana we'll uh, i know we were pressed for some time so we'll uh, we'll do uh, one more pick from each of us and uh, if you would like to share your last pick for this episode of What Am I Missing?
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to be recommending a podcast. I know we're both recording okay. a podcast right now, and I know we're both podcasters, but I'm going to be recommending a podcast on, on and, and and it's a it's a it's a pretty popular one. But if it's one that people haven't been listening to, I'm going to strongly recommend it, and I'm going to give you the reason why. The one, reason why I recommend I'm recommending this is because. For the first five years of of my podcast, I was really doing a lot of film history and deep dives on individual movies. And a lot of those movies came from the late 70s, 80s, and the 90s. And since I've sort of changed the format of The Dana Buckler Show, we're not getting into the deep dives as much as we used to. And it's something that I, I genuinely miss doing. And it's something that I really am hoping to get more into. Uh, And one of the things about doing deep dives into these movies from the, the 80s and the 90s is that I really enjoyed learning a lot about the backstory of these films. Well, thankfully, there is a podcast that has been doing it and continues to do phenomenal retrospectives on movies from the 70s, 80s, and the 90s. And I'm talking about a podcast by the name of Shat the Movies. Now, Mike, first question to you is, have you heard of Shat the Movies?
0: I have definitely heard of them. Have I listened? No. Uh, I've heard of them through Ashley, your co-host, and your interactions with them uh, through your Twitter feed and your podcast, but I haven't, I actually have them queued up on my iPod, but I have like 20 podcasts that I am trying to get caught up on when I, you know, drive to school, go on a run, exercise, like just even like walk from my room to my car, I'm listening to the podcast, but I, so I'm aware of them, yes, but have I listened extensively? Not yet
1: well let me just give you an idea and again this is this 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 podcast has been I almost feel like it was made for me individually like it was personally made for me because it's so tailored to the movies I love I'm just going to go through just a quick snippet of some of the episodes that are available right now for you to listen to we have everything from True Romance Flatliners Casino Conan the Barbarian Braveheart Jurassic Park Backdraft Spaceballs you know, Big Lebowski, Showgirls, Big Trouble in Little China, Terminator. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the hosts on there, uh, they all have monikers that, if you know film criticism, you're going to recognize these monitors, like uh, monikers like Gene, Gene Lyons, uh, Roger Roper, uh, y- y- Dick Ebert. Like those are these are the monikers that they take on. And by the way, and I I, I don't think I've ever actually said this to them, they have phenomenal on-air voices like these guys are radio ready a hundred percent like they're awesome they're just awesome to listen to but they they do fantastic film analysis they get into the meat of the film they also get into the history and those like little trivia nuggets that i love Like, like that's the what i live for when i listen to podcasts so uh the strongest recommendation for shat the movies so i hope you'll i hope you'll check them out they're awesome they're super nice guys and in the interest of full disclosure, they have, of course, mentioned my show a few times on their podcast, so uh, I do have a, a, a nice relationship with them, and I'm happy to, to spread the gospel of Shat the Movies.
0: Yeah, and I'm totally going to start, you know, that that's that last urge that I need to, you know, hit that play button, because they're queued up on my, on my iPod, and... I really love how you embrace the the wide net that I that I was pitching to you and that it could be literally anything no restraints as long as it's like you know media and I, I really appreciate that recommendation so and I'm sure they will too and the listeners do as well so with me I'll, I'll transition to my final pick and this is a film that is that you've done an episode on and it's one that has been on my list for a while it's even queued up on my Netflix. But I never had brought myself to watch it, and I think it was kind of that idea. With I hope I don't know if it's going to live up to the hype. I don't want to be disappointed because there are, you know, what am I missing? Films that I've put in, and I thought, uh, eh, it was okay. And but this film is Deliverance, mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's and, and it was, and it was funny, funny because it was on my queue, and, and I was up late, late really, really like, like one night. night. And, and brian, brian my brother, brother he was getting back from the train station he asked me to pick him up really late and, and i said okay, okay whatever and I, I didn't want to go to bed had i had to get, get up like at 4 a.m the next morning so I was like, oh, i'm not going to go to sleep for an hour so let's just watch a movie and so i put this film in and i had a little under two hours to kill and i was so immersed in this movie dana like i I told like. I'm just going to say, like, I totally missed out on waiting for this, this long movie. to watch this movie. And, and so right, right after, after this, this, I actually listened to your episode for the first time on the classic, classic Houses, Houses movie format. And, and your you're... own deliverance and story is insane. And I'll say, listeners, go back, t- way back to the Dana Buckler show. Like, scroll all the way down and, 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 and listen. And it's like the first 15 or 20 minutes of that episode. And if you want a wild proto Dana After Dark story for free, just go for it. And, and I have my own, I have my own, uh, deliverance story in a sense, and I'll give the cliff notes version in that, uh, my buddy and I were in upstate New York at his, you know, dad's getaway cabin. And we're like talking like way, like, like the closest hospital is like 40 miles away. So they're like, don't get hurt. And so I was up there with him for a weekend. We were fishing and stuff. And he, and he suggested we go on a kayaking trip for a few hours so he told me that this route was like a lazy river and easy. So I go, "Hell yeah." And I have on these big cargo shorts and I so I fill each pocket with as much beer and alcohol as I can carry. I was literally oozing Pabst Blue Riz- Pabst Blue Ribbon and like those lime ritas and cuz it was like the only alcohol that we had. So We get there, and we set up, but, like, right before we push off, these two dudes decked out in, like, this whitewater rapid kayaking gear just, like, fly by us, and we're like, well, this should have been the first sign of danger, Uh, and we should have been like, oh, what's going on? Maybe we'll stop, but we, but being in our early 20s, we said, ah, whatever, we'll be fine, like, look at those nerds, (laughs) and so... The begin we push off and the beginning was super chill. Like I crack a few beers and I'm acting like an asshole, and then suddenly I hear this noise that's getting progressively louder and louder. And we had life jackets on, but like no helmets. Like my kayak was maybe like I was I'm six foot and this kayak was like a petite woman's kayak, so I like barely fit into it. And we look at each other, and then suddenly there's, like, branching pathways of white water shooting all around us, like whirlpools, and it's not, like, super intense, but we were obviously not prepared. And so, needless to say, I dropped my beer, (laughs) and I quickly, like, tightened the straps on my life jacket, and I just, like, held on as I'm trying to, like, paddle through all this. Now, we felt a lot, and that was, like, kind of scary, because it was, I mean, we were both collegiate swimmers, so we and we had life jackets on, but, you know... Mother Nature is is uh, is a scary bitch, and so uh, after a few hours of falling out and like un like in these quote unquote rapids, uh, and nearly like shitting myself after a few like close calls, we washed up on the shore, and we were soaking wet and super lucky that nothing bad happened. But I bring this up because I was getting flashbacks to all of the whitewater rapid scenes in this film, and I and and I think that's another reason why I really liked it, in that. You know the history behind this film is is amazing in itself, and, and I would totally go go uh, for all the listeners. You want that in depth history? Go to Dana's episode because you go into that. But you know everything, and you and I think it's that grittiness, and like like for example, the uh, I believe the film wasn't insured, so all the actors were actually going down <laughs> uh, these whitewater rapids with the danger of you know serious injury or John Voight climbing the side of this mountain in broad daylight because they needed the shot. Like, and I think all of that just adds to this grittiness that Deliverance is able to, uh, emit from it as well as, you know, all the strong acting from, you know, Burt Reynolds, John Voight and the other two. It's, it's, it's just such a great film. And I, and I totally missed out on this one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an incredible movie and, it was really the film that made Burt Reynolds, and we've done I've done an episode with Jim Hemphill, you know, about the history of Burt Reynolds, his ret- career retrospective, and this is the movie that made him the biggest movie star in the world. And it was one of those rare things where, you know, the women loved him, the guys wanted to be him. Like nobody had a negative thing to say about Burt Reynolds, and he is as cool as ice in this movie and you know well for the first half that's all i'm gonna yeah. say for the first half he's 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 cool as ice um but you know i think you brought up an interesting point about the the whitewater rapid scenes because i think that you know the the stunts in this movie are often overshadowed by some of the other events that happen in this film and i think people forget that this is kind of an adventure film at the same time as a you know a, as a thriller. At the same time, it's a really, I mean, I might have to rewatch that movie again tonight. It's been, last time I watched it was when I did an episode on Deliverance, which I think was 2016, so it's been about three years since I've seen the film, so I, I definitely need to rewatch it. That's a great recommendation. That's a movie that came out in 1972, so I mean, we're talking a long time ago, and it still holds up, and it's its a masterpiece, plain and simple. Yeah, it was,
0: I think it was one of the biggest films of 1972, and I mean, I can see why, and I think it. Yeah, like you mentioned, it it really launched Burt Reynolds into like the stratosphere of being this megastar, but also re uh, re um, reignited uh, John Voight's career. I think he was he was coming off of a few flops after this, and this kind of really helped rebound his career. So yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed Deliverance. I when I finished watching it, I picked up my brother at like, uh, was it, it was like 1230 in the morning, and I was like, dude, I just watched Deliverance, I want to talk about it, and he was, and he just came back from like a long night of, uh, I think he, he's in law school, so I think he just came back from like a mock trial, and he was like, I just want to go to fuck the bed, man, like, I'm sorry, I, I just can't talk about this right now, especially as a film that's so <laughs> visceral as Deliverance, but, yeah, I, I totally recommend this to anyone, it's, it's available on Netflix, uh, I, I, I mean, I think it's available on Amazon for rent, but definitely Netflix, and I and I and that as well. So that concludes my uh, my picks for this episode. I know I think we're finishing up just on time, so I know you got to get out of here, Dana.
1: Yeah, and listen, the next time you have me on, I'll I'll be will be more time, and I I'm having fun. This is a great concept you got going on, and and there's no reason why we couldn't do five or six picks a piece on on the next time. So I, I look forward to coming back on, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh yeah, awesome. And and Dana, where can uh? Uh, listeners find you if they want to reach out to you or follow for any of your content.
1: Absolutely. Well, the Dana Buckler Show is going to be available wherever podcasts are found. I think that's the easiest way to 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 send people to the show itself. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, the show is at Dana Buckler Show. My personal Twitter is at the at Dana Buckler. Uh, it's available. You can follow me on Instagram at the Dana Buckler Show. And if you want to email me with questions or comments, it's the Dana Show at gmail.com and mike i know we've talked about it before and we're definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna have you back on my show soon and pencil yourself in for the star wars episode 9 review because after that very long and very extensive multi-part conversation we had on star wars i mean it makes perfect sense that you'll be the one that does that review with me so i look forward to having you on that's not until december i'm sure i'm going to have you on before then but just make sure you got that penciled in
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's already penciled in. And I already have some things to say about that trailer, but we'll save it for that discussion. But as always, guys, uh, thanks for listening to this episode. It really means a lot to me and Brian. And you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Podcast at gmail.com or follow us at uh, Twitter at tourspod, And once again, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Altours. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own site and Instagram, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme, Dreams, was created by Joachim Karid, which was found using a creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Joaquin's and Sarah's work. They really deserve it. All content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners, and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504, C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time.